Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We were going to be prepared when, when opportunities struck and it just so happened that uh, in Eduardo's case, in Ryan's case, I think those guys were really heavily sought after in the league. So it was us more responding to the timing of, of other teams and less us pushing things forward. All right, Thad Levine and Derek Favitt, they did fly out to Boston just to go meet face-to-face with players. Brian Dozier's been the most vocal now for two straight trade deadlines. And you and I both agree, there's just a bit of a lack of self-awareness when you've been underperforming in the first half the way that he has and you're and you're seven games out when he makes the comments, and you're throwing around phrases like, you know, just on the cusp or whatever it yeah. was that he said. You're right there. You can taste you it. You can taste it. No, you can't. Uh, the artist formerly known as the Curse of Punto on Twitter, he's Jake DePew, and he covers the Twins, mostly Twins minor leagues, but he was in Boston covering on the East Coast here uh, this last series. You can find his work at 1500ESPN.com. Let's just start with Dozier, Jake. Do you agree with us, right. or are we overreacting a little bit? I th- I think I, what I would have liked to have heard from Dozier as the leader of the clubhouse, hey, if I had performed better in the first half this year and, quite frankly, last year, maybe we'd be in a position to be buyers instead of sellers, and instead it's two years in a row of him throwing the front office under the bus for what we think are good decisions. Yeah, I, I, there's a clear lack of self-awareness there. And, you know, on the one hand you say, well, what are they supposed to say, right? I mean, they're, they're players. That, that, that's what they're supposed to say. And, and Levine and Pelvey did, did say that as well. Like, you know, we want them to be, you know, want, you know we want them to bu- want to buy and we want them to want to win and all these types of things. But Dozier needs to look in the mirror a little bit. And, uh, and you know, he's, he's underperformed this year. And, and it, it, he's part of the reason why they are sellers. And, yeah, I, I think there is some, some lack of self-awareness there. I will say, you know, he said those things last year, and we ripped him, and then they came back and made the playoffs. And so I'm sure that gives him a little bit more confidence to say the same things this year because he ended up being right. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think a lot of the players in there have underperformed. Those is one of them. A lot of the free agents that they've that they've brought in have have underperformed, and and that's the reason that they're sellers. It's it's not that the front office has has given up on them. It's that they're making a logical decision based on where they are in the standings. Hey, Jake, what's your guess about who goes next, and does uh, Brian get traded before the the deadline at uh, 3 p.m. on Tuesday, do you think? Yeah, I, I think I think Dozier's more likely than not to get traded. I don't know why you would hang on to him. I mean, I get that the qualifying offer um, it, it is a factor, but um, if they think that they can get a package similar to what they got uh, for for Escobar, then I, I would say that, that they'll probably move him. And what's going to be really interesting is Cleveland's in Minneapolis for the next three days, and 
they're one of the uh, contenders that are that are rumored to to be going after Doja. So I, I think it's very possible that he could start that series in a Twins uniform and and end it uh, playing against the Twins uh, for Cleveland. So I think he's going to be moved. Gibson, I think, would probably bring back the most. Uh, but you know, he's having a great year, and he had an unbelievable start on Thursday uh, against the best offense in baseball. Held them to to one run over eight innings. So. He's going to be really coveted, and I don't think that they would move him unless they were really blown away. At least that's what they said publicly, but I wouldn't be shocked, I guess, if, if they moved him. If they could get anything for Lance Lynn uh, and Logan Morrison, I'm sure they would They would love to do that. I don't know that they really can. Uh, and then they'll, they'll probably move Zach Duke, but he's not going to bring back any, anything more than you know a, a C prospect. Yeah. Uh, did uh, did anyone did did Falvey or Levine or anyone speak to the prospects they got back this last week? And it looks like if you just go by prospect rankings and org rankings, um, that they might have three new entries into their top thirty organizational prospects at least. I don't know if they have any that'll that'll fall in the top ten, but good depth guys that might have chances at some point to contribute. They're all they're all mostly in the low levels of the minor leagues right now. Yeah, a couple of the guys for Houston made it to Double A. Um, I mean, they they talked a little bit about them, but it was it was basically just sort of GM speak, you know, uh, about they have a lot of upside and and they're really excited about about the prospects they got back. I, I think the guy to be most excited about is the pitcher they got back from Houston. He was the number ten prospect in Houston's organization, uh, and they have a good farm system. And he throws a hundred and has made it to Double A. So he's the guy I think that that is probably closest uh, to the big leagues and probably has the most upside. Uh, the three guys they got back from Arizona are, I think, more or less lottery tickets. Um, you know, they're they're all at at Single A, Kane County, um, and 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 nineteen. Uh, both of them are nineteen, and, and the third guy I think is twenty two, and he's putting up good numbers, but he's twenty two at yeah. Single A. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think four of the of the five they got back will be in the top thirty. Um, so definitely good depth that adds to the system. But it's uh, you know, obviously they didn't get any Royce Lewis's or. Uh, uh, even Nick, Nick Gordon's back. Yeah, yeah I, I think for both you guys, we'll start with Jake on this. I think it's pretty telling where baseball is and what teams are looking for specifically to put them over the top in five-game series, seven-game series, that you can get more for a year and a half of Ryan Presley, who's really good. He's a strikeout reliever, and uh, the peripheral numbers are very good on Ryan Presley, but you know he'll slot in as like the third or fourth best reliever on a deep playoff run team that you can get more for a year and a half of like a seventh inning reliever than for two to maybe three months of a guy who can play five positions and is one of the better offensive players in the league this year. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you have watched even a little bit of the playoffs over the last few years, and Kansas City, to their credit, uh, and they're not really known as a progressive organization, <laughs> but they started all this uh, when they went to the World Series in 2014 and mm-hmm. 15. And they really relied on their bullpen, and they showed how valuable these relievers can be. Um, and that's why you see, you know, guys like Addison Reed getting multi-year deals. Um, you know, in, in free agency, and Lance Lynn doesn't sign until halfway through spring training. So, yeah, I mean, it shows what baseball is going. Um, it, it's the whole idea of bullpenning, and Brian, you know, Brian Kenny talks a lot about that. And um, that's clearly where the game is going. And, and yeah, that's why Ryan Presley is such a good player. And, and you're right, it, it is strange that he gets more, brings back more than a guy like Escobar, but it's, it's because of what he can do and the impact he can make in a short series. I think we're also seeing, too, that the shift in control is important. So you're you're no longer going to take a a uh, guy who's going to hit the market to the market at the deadline and get a ton. 
Dozier w- would have been five years ago would have been traded by now, Jake, for sure. But I think the problem is the Twins are shopping him and teams are saying, well, yeah, he's Brian Dozier and he might get hot, he might not. But for the amount of games that we're potentially going to get, we're only going to give you this and it's not that great. So I also think the the shift in thinking is executives being a lot smarter about what they're going to deal you for a short-term control on a guy. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think Levine and Salvi are are part of that shift, that, that, that they understand you know, player value, and, and if, if the Twins were buyers, they wouldn't give up the farm for a guy like Dozier, and, and I think they would give up more for, for a guy like Presley. I, it, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that's where baseball is headed, and, and these guys understand that. And so, yeah, we're seeing players who were probably undervalued or, or weren't used correctly 10 years ago now getting a lot more in, in you know, free agency and in, and in trades. And, you know, Dozier, Boy, I, I think he's going to be pretty disappointed when he sees his market in the off season because I yes. think he's, you know, I, I'm just speculating here, but I think he's probably expecting to get a, a multi-year deal for a lot of money, and I'd be pretty surprised if if that's what he ends up with. So it, I, I'm fascinated to see what his market is and and where he ends up uh, in the off season. Jake, if he stays here and, and is qualified here, he's he he signs here. I guarantee it. He'll yeah. sign here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think I think he'll after after what happened this last off season, he'll probably realize I can do any better um, and and take the one year eighteen million. But but that's not certainly what he was expecting a year ago, you know. And and it yeah, he's he's going to be disappointed. I think. Yeah, I'll tell you what though, this for for a team that for maybe five or six years, once the Kadires and the Morno started to get hurt and and leave the organization. This team lacked leadership, especially on the position player side. And Eduardo Escobar, I'll say this about Eduardo Escobar. I mean, he is a leader by example. He's a personality leader, and people gravitate toward him. He wasn't that maybe three years ago, but that's going to be something they miss if he doesn't re-sign this offseason. And I, I know it's something that you can't necessarily quantify, and I'm a big, I'm a big stat geek, but I think... There is value in having people setting a tone and creating a certain vibe in a clubhouse. And Eduardo Escobar, I thought, was one of those, Jake. Oh, without question. I, I think he was the, the leader in that clubhouse. And, you know, I haven't spent a ton of time in the clubhouse, but I've, I've covered the team enough now that I feel like I have some sense of it, and, and I've heard things, obviously, as well. And yet, to me, he was, he was the number one leader. And you could tell guys were really upset when he got traded. And, and, and part of it was how the trade happened, that they found out about it on TV, and, and I do think the front office, as good as they are, botched the communication angle um, of this, but uh, they were really upset. You know, We talked to Mauer on the field about an hour before the game, right after Escobar had been traded, and that was, I mean, Joe, Joe's not exactly an emotional guy, right? And, and that was, he was pissed, you know, he was upset, and uh, there were other guys, Gibson was, was upset as well. I think Escobar was, the, was probably the number one leader in there, and and I agree with you. I'm a big stats guy too, but that's what matters. You you have to like your coworkers, right? I mean, it, mm-hmm. that makes a huge difference to job satisfaction. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. You don't have to like them that much. You know, Dave doesn't want to come back. Yeah, that's I, yeah. I mean, yeah. People will play important roles every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, they all loved him, and and uh, and those guys spend so much time together. You know, I mean, they're they're. They're together seven days a week for most of the season, you know, and they they're traveling together. They're in hotels, and and it makes a big difference. And and that clubhouse it took a big hit with with Escobar leaving. 
He's skinnier. He still strikes out. Uh, from from the, the brief uh, conversation that you got involved in, Jake, do you think Sano is closer to getting it? What whatever it is, but but the importance of actually taking your big league career seriously. Has he taken a step during his time uh, in Class A and then with Rochester? I think he's taken a step in terms of the comments he's saying publicly. Uh, I think he said all the right things over the weekend. He, he does look skinnier. Um, Falvey was complimentary of him in terms of how hard he worked. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I do think he's taken a step in the right direction, for sure. And, and let's give credit to Sano, he never complained once about that. He took it in stride when they demoted him. He said they under, he understood why it was happening, and he said the same thing when he got back. Now, whether that actually leads to him performing better on the field and, and taking this seriously and, and understanding that this is his, his career and, and his future, you know, who knows, right? We'll have to wait and see. But I think at least in terms of what he's saying publicly, he's starting to get it and he's starting to understand and this was a huge wake-up call. I mean, to, to go from the big league lifestyle to, to working out on your, you know, with a trainer in Fort Myers, that, that's a pretty big blow. And so I, hopefully it sends a message, and hopefully he starts to get it. But, um, you know, we'll see. He didn't have a good series in Boston. Obviously, it's a tiny sample. So we'll see how he performs the rest of the year. But that's going to be another fascinating story is just whether Snow gets in shape and whether he starts, um, you know, taking things a little bit more seriously. Jake Depew, the artist formerly known as Curse of Punto. You can follow him on Twitter at Jake Depew, D-E-P-U-E, and his twin stuff at 1500ESPN.com. We'll talk soon, man. Thank you, sir. All right, we got to talk about Maurer next time. Yeah, well, there's going to be... Oh, Jake's got some thoughts on Maurer, and I be, agree with we him. We could even, I mean, we could do a little bonus uh, Jake Depew later, later this week. Yeah. Well, let's do, yeah, let's let's do that later this week because we're gonna have yeah. this is gonna be the two months of unless they trade him, well, I'd be shocked if they traded him by tomorrow. I but I would, again. maybe he's like a waiver guy. But there's a lot of Joe Maurer discussion to be had mm-hmm. here. Very interesting. There is. I, I I have a lot of thoughts as Judd knows, and uh, I'm happy to come on and talk about it anytime. Yes, all we'll, right. We'll take your Maurer takes. All right, bye, Jake. Thanks, Jake. Yeah. All right, thanks. Man. All right, Jake. I tweeted that, that let's, again. Let's I tweeted week. it again Saturday. I said he's having a great series. He looks fantastic. This is a guy who could help a team. He uh, absolutely. And I could. immediately got back. Don't even talk about that. You shouldn't be talking about. Why? That. Why can't we talk about it? What do you mean? I don't talk about it. it. I like. He's a free agent. I likened it on Twitter to the conversations that parents have with with their kids about sex. I was like, well, this is gonna parents be are almost as afraid. Parents are as afraid to talk about the birds and bees. And number two on that list is Joe Maurer actually not playing for the Twins. <laughs> Can we hear you talk about the birds and the bees, John? I don't need to. Don't have kids. It's great. Dog doesn't care. She's taken care of. I got no problems. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and John. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. One pitch of the sacks. Full is swung on and lightning to left the base hit. On the grass, it goes all the way to the scoreboard. Two runs have scored, and Benny is held at third on a two-run double by J.D. Martinez, and the Red Sox lead it two to nothing. Yeah, that, uh, Jake brought it up at the end of that segment there because he was in Boston covering the series. The one big theme that we haven't really touched on yet, and I think it's being overblown a little bit, is this whole notion that the news of the Escobar trade leaked out 
and was on the bottom scroll of MLB Network and ESPN. When Molitor saw it, yep. yeah. Before the players or, Paul, or the yep. coaching staff or Paul Molitor saw it. So, so the, the reporters are literally sitting there with Paul Molitor doing their their daily pregame, and um, and they're watching the news scroll across, and players were mad, and, and Molitor was mad. And I get it. Like I would want to know before the public yeah. knows, too. Yep. I feel like this is being overblown a little bit. I, th- I think the news leaked from Arizona, and it sounds like... The Twins thought the deal wasn't 100% done yet, and so they were working through some final details. But Arizona must have said, oh, we got Escobar. Yep. Boom. Yeah. Ken Rosenthal, go with and it. And a big-time big guy finds out and reports it. Yeah. Uh, I would say this. This this falls into the don't just dismiss it. Like, it might be a big deal. It might not be. But this is the type of thing where the team is always going to say, well, it got leaked from them, and it's not a big deal, and then you find out it is. Yeah. Uh, I don't care about the players. The players, this is the players' fault. Tell them, don't tell them, let Esco tell them, let the trainer tell them. I don't care about them. Uh, the fact they didn't tell Paul and give him a strong heads up, hey, you're going to be talking to the press, and don't reveal this, but just to tell you we're very close here, I don't think it can be dismissed because there, there's been, when, when I keep coming back and saying, after a year like this, I don't think Paul gets fired, but I can't guarantee it. And then the pushback is, well, he he was AL Manager of the Year last year, and they're not going to fire him now. He's Paul. I I always say, okay, you're probably right, but I can't say that for sure. And I do go back to if this was their guy. I mean, if this was Kapler or Pickler, if this was their guy, do I think that Falvey would have at least given a strong heads up? Probably. So... It might not be a big deal, but I don't think it can be completely dismissed. What if he texted Paul, "Hey, this is really close." Just FYI, you know, media media might start to pick up on some yeah, of this. And possible. Paul didn't check his phone for like four hours because he's kind of old and doesn't check his phone very often. <laughs> and that's exactly why he might be fired. I love Paul, but like that's you know, exactly, Paul, that's Paul's exactly probably why. not on his phone all the time, right? He's in he's, and Derek he's on and the Fed road. Are like Gabe Kapler would have checked his phone. <laughs> Gabe Kapler would have. Tori Lavello would have checked his phone. Jeff Pickler was checking his phone. <laughs> exactly. We told him, actually. So I'm Jeff just... Pickler was the only one who knew. <laughs> and it just so happens on no- November 3rd, we're going yeah. to introduce him. No, I just, it might not be a big deal, but I don't. I do think it's interesting that Paul didn't have a very good idea. If, if he is indeed telling the truth, that Paul didn't have a good idea yeah. was coming. My guess to the as to what transpired, I'm sure they've got him in the loop on, hey, these are the three players that are getting the most interest from teams. I mean, we've gotten 15 calls on Ryan Presley this week. So Presley's probably going to be gone. We're going to sell, Paul. We're going to sell. We're just we're seven games back, under 500. Sano's in the minor leagues. Buxton's in the minor leagues. This is It's not our year. We're going to sell. So Presley's getting phone calls. Escobar's getting phone calls. Just be aware that like in the next week, this roster's going to change quite a bit. I guarantee he was in on those conversations. Oh, I bet he was, yeah. Now, as far as like, well, this is happening in the next three hours or in the next six hours, I don't know how that works. I don't know when you're on the road like that. Yeah. I don't know if if you know that your manager is trying to oversee the now, right? He's trying to build a lineup for that day and go through scouting reports, and he's trying to just keep everything on track, the day-to-day grind of being a manager. Do you just... Let him do that, and then you make the trade. You gave him a heads up; the roster is going to change. I don't. I'm not privy to those types of discussions, and so I don't know. I just that's find, why I don't want to blow it up into something that it's. I not. just find that in in the course of my d- doing this job, when I dismiss something, often I'm wrong to have dismissed it completely, and it'll come back as it meant something. I don't know what exactly, 
But and and I don't care that the players are mad. I just don't care. Tell them at some point. But they yeah. but they're the players. Uh, it's different when when the guy who is me- meeting with the with the press doesn't have a good idea that I just saw a report. And it's damn well true. Yeah, I guess my first thought when this narrative came up, like, oh, there it is, Falvian Levine, like, terrible at interpersonal communication, which is not true. Can tell you stories from behind the scenes. It's not true. Actually, you know what? Thad Levine, I think I can say this. He spoke at an event a couple months ago, and he told a couple stories about sort of the way you live and you learn from his time in Texas. This is eight years ago, ten years ago, as an assistant GM. And where he did communicate incorrectly a couple times where they had to send a guy down or there was a trade and he told a story about a pitcher that at first he kind of told him yeah we're going to send you down and uh, it's because you're not performing and this is this and the guy and the guy just was kind of shocked didn't, didn't really understand it and they had some friction between them and then a while later the pitcher approached Thad Levine and was kind of like I'm just I'm just confused I don't I don't understand why I'm being sent down and he said could you just give me a checklist of, of things to work on and and Thad was like oh yeah I guess Sometimes the players view things differently than front office people, and you have to communicate as Absolutely. if you're in their shoes. And like, he, yeah. so I mean, this is just a throwaway anecdote, but I know they think about this stuff. Oh, sure. I know they're not just sitting behind spreadsheets and computers and like can't communicate and, with people. But, that's but, not at all what's but happening. That's, but that's my point. I'm not dismissing it because they're not dumb guys. Sure. And they're personal, and and they are they are people people. People person. Why can't you people a, see that? I'm a, so so the fact the fact that they are bright people and know how, how to communicate leads me down an interesting path that mm-hmm. Paul didn't know. Yeah, because it, it wasn't. I don't think it was just some random mistake. And if you're that close to trading a player like that, ordinarily, I would think that that the people that would be looped in would be the chief baseball person, the GM, and probably three or four yeah. on that list is the manager. Yeah. I think it's worth noting, too, if you go back the last 12 months to last year's trade deadline, for people who are mad at Thad Levine and Derek Falvey, either because they didn't communicate right or they traded Eduardo Escobar, who's the fan favorite player here, if you just look at their process, I think they've gotten a lot of things right. People ripped them for bailing on the team last year, and you gave up on that team. Okay, in the face of five games below five hundred, several games back in the division, and subpar through the first three and a half months of the year yep. and a 5% chance to make the playoffs historically based on where you were in the standings. Do you really want your front office rolling the dice? Like we're going to push the chips in with a 5% chance. Yep. I want them making a smart move. So they, they checked that box for me, even though it turned out to be the wrong decision, quote unquote, because the team got hot in the last two months of the year. This offseason, too, people rip them. Well, Logan Morrison's worthless and Lance Lynn. And yeah, those guys have been terrible. But you know who else has been terrible and hurt and makes a lot more money is you, Darvish. And those guys are all signed and signed yeah. to short-term contracts. Right. Exactly. And they, right. they, yeah. drew, they drew a line. Now they they would have yeah. given you, Darvish, a hundred million over five years. But they well. they went. We're going to go get four or five free agents, team-friendly contracts. I thought that was a good job in the offseason too. Sometimes it just doesn't work. If these guys were afraid of of friction, Dozier long gone by now. Long gone. They would have given him away if if they feared friction, because you knew that as soon as those trades came down on fr- Friday, if Brian w- wasn't traded yet, mm-hmm. they knew exactly what the quotes were going to be. So if these guys were just basically said, "This guy is a cancer," as far as we're concerned, he's gone. So yeah, they're they're not they're not dumb, but 
I think the most important thing that we need to keep going back to is these guys were brought in because this team two years ago lost 103 games. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not a perfect franchise. Mm-hmm. It's not fixed. Yeah, it wasn't ready to flip the switch and, oh, it we're just going to turn the lights on. And yeah. had fun, but this is not a, this is not a, well, you're so close right now. You've got two yeah. once huge prospects who are scuffling. You've got issues here. So, so to really think that this team, because they, they made a wild card appearance in 17, is fixed is inaccurate. Yes. In fact, if you look at his, historically, run differential tells you a lot about where a franchise is at and whether they're overperforming, underperforming. And uh, really what they were is like an 82 or an 83-win team last year that got to 85 wins by being really good in one-run games and late and close situations, things that aren't always sustainable or repeatable. And they took advantage of a down American League where the right. wild card was 85 wins, right? Absolutely. And it, yeah. and it felt great. And they had a three-run lead in the first inning at Yankee Stadium and a chance to exercise demons. But reality struck this year, and we all probably got over our skis a little bit in the in the in the preseason portion because <laughs> hey, we're just like I definitely did. we're more hopeful than realistic. And so let's take one call on this real quick: six five one six four six eight two five five. Andrew, you're on the show. Hey guys, uh, I think Dozier's got to go. They're just sick of you here just pay anymore, not producing. Um, one thing I think that uh, Levine and that uh, I, I feel like they're almost what Dozier's value is so low now, and it has been all season. I think they're almost scared to trade him for next to nothing, and and, and look back at what they could have got when his value was through the roof two years ago. I don't know. That's just me. No, it's a it's a good point, Andrew. I mean, you're sitting here and you know that this guy at the end of the year is a thirty to forty home run hitter. And you know that there's probably a two-month hot streak in there. And you know that you were shopping him two winters ago knowing, hey, we're not going to keep this guy long-term. Let's try to get something for the last two seasons of Brian Dozier. Yep. And you didn't really get the offers that you wanted, so it's probably really hard to swallow that pill right now and get some it's B, all about B-level A-ball prospect for two months of Brian term, Dozier. It's about term, though, right? It's about term. I mean, there's no term left here. So I think unless you are, unless you have had a change of heart and are going to qualify him and risk him coming back, you trade him. And if you get if you get something back, great. And if you don't, you still trade. Yeah, him. I mean, you would never, you would never hang on to him and then and then not offer the qualifying offer because then he walks for nothing. Right. There'd be no reason. And to for do people that. who are wondering, what the hell are you guys talking about? So baseball changed their free agent system so that so you've always been able to get compensation for free agents that leave now it's all uniform if a free agent leaves you now if you if you get traded like Eduardo Escobar is not eligible for the qualifying offer in uh, Arizona but for players who start the year on your team like Brian Dozier and he becomes a free agent the number is up to like 17 million dollars you offer him a one-year 17 million dollar deal when he hits free agency if he accepts it you pay him 17 million for a year and guess what He'll accept it. He probably will. If he turns it down, you get draft pick compensation. You get like a sandwich pick between the first and second rounds or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So they have to figure out, is the offer in the next 30 hours the best thing that you could get? Is him coming back for $17 million the best thing that you could get if he if he accepts it? Or is the draft pick compensation the best thing you can get if he decides to reject the qualifying offer? It's door away? three if you could do it, but I don't think you can. Boy, yeah, I'd love to know what's behind door one, but we don't we don't know what teams are offering for him. 
I would think though the Red the Red Sox and Indians could get into a little bidding. I war. think the Brewers. I when when the Brewers traded for Mustakis, uh, that was a, a that took them indication out. though of the fact that the Twins thought that the package from the Brewers should have been better and and was not. Yeah, I was. Uh, I said either tra- trade him to Boston and say you're staying here. Or now it'd be very interesting yeah. if he walked from the home clubhouse to the yeah. visitors' clubhouse on Tuesday and played Tuesday night for the Indians. Well, that would be that's happened before. Minkiewicz right? Minkiewicz did Minkiewicz, it. Yeah. Aguilera did it. Yeah. Minkiewicz did it. Yep, could happen again. James Murphy has some stuff we should know about. You want to tease one of your one of your favorite items? Yeah, sure. So we were talking before about Trey Turner and uh, and his whole Twitter scrubbing um, that he had to do. Uh, MLB, the official MLB Twitter account, had to do some scrubbing of their own this wow. weekend, so we'll talk about that. Wow. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey. Hey, boys and girls, it's Papa Smurf. He's just a little guy. Judd Zolgad. Nice personality combination. Hostile and intolerant. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. What Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. Please, please, Judd! So James Murphy will be giving us stuff this week. So it's it's not bad enough that players are having to scrub their Twitter accounts or they're not doing it and being exposed, but you just told us that MLB now is having to scrub its Twitter account? Yeah, we're going to get to that in just a second. It it was over the weekend, but uh, I'm going to start with Jake DeGrom. I'm sure you guys are familiar Fantastic pitcher for He's the New York Mets. Good at pitching, he is. <laughs> he uh, he right now. I don't know if you guys know. He has a one eight two ERA. The only problem is, and Phil, I know you're not a big pitcher wins guy. But he's five and six on the season. Yeah, with, see, he's trash then. See, he's trash. He's a sub five hundred. Well, the pitcher. problem is that, that the Mets are bad at baseball, and he's good at baseball, and that doesn't work for pitcher wins. So he pitched Saturday against against the uh, Pirates, and it was zero zero. He was due up in the fifth inning. He la- uh, he laced a double down the left field line. Uh, his first extra base hit of the season, so he was feeling pretty good. He's doing everything for his yeah. team. Yeah, and and his second time up, he actually got a single. He was he was two for three on the day. Going into the seventh inning, uh, this happened. Chopper. Not a double play ball. This will get in another run. David Freeze drives in loop low. Line to right, and it is down. Adam Frazier. Extra bases. His third hit <laughs> makes it three to nothing. So DeGrom was hung with his sixth loss of the season. Uh, he had two hits. He had the only extra base hit in the game for the Mets, and he's five and six on the season. Is you know, there anybody who's more miserable in sports than Jake Degrom? And he's not even—he doesn't even have a contract Dozier. yet, right? <laughs> Brian Dozier, yeah. far more. He's so put upon because he's having such a good year for the Twins. Judd thinks he may have seen Brian Dozier at a restaurant alone at the bar last night. All right, it, it was bizarre. Just quickly, so the wife and I. Go to a Mexican restaurant in Golden Valley last night, and I go to the bar because she's coming from work and I'm driving from home. So she's a little bit late. So I go sit at the bar and get a beer, and I look to my left. Dead ringer for Doge. I'm saying dead ringer. Only a couple of problems. One, he's wearing a backwards Twins cap. No way, no way that the guy that plays for the Twins is going to wear a Twins cap, right? I'm trying to think. Of, I, 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 don't, I don't think although, I would. Although Christian Guzman, the former Twin shortstop, once was seen outside of the Metrodome before a game wearing a Christian Guzman jersey. 
Okay. So wow. it's okay. Okay. actually, you know what? Now, okay, now that we're going on this road, I feel like it may have been Brian Dozier because I have another example. I was on spring break with college friends in 2005 in Mazatlan, Mexico. And it just so happened, so this would have been like March or April, right in the prime NFL offseason for guys who are, if you're if you're not ramping up for a rookie minicamp or something. Yep. And I don't remember all of the Vikings players that were at this establishment in Mazatlan, Mexico. There was a mechanical bull involved and a lot of different things. But I know that Dante Culpepper was there. Not surprised. Uh, Michael Bennett. Oh, I'm really not surprised. And Jack Brewer, who is kind of a peripheral yeah, roster guy, golfer, right? Yeah. All of them had Vikings jerseys on. Are you uh, serious? All of them okay. had Vikings jerseys. So this yeah. does speak to that. <laughs> In Mexico. Now, problem two. Get for, your roll on. Problem, Everybody get your Problem two on. in my story is that this guy at the bar who looked like Doge is crushing chips and drinking beer, which made me think, because I've, I've heard that Doge is on a strict diet, right? They have gluten-free chips. But then I'm thinking to myself, well, that's possible. Gluten-free beer. Other thing I'm th- thinking is, I wonder if he knows he's gone. He's going to be traded. So he's just like, you know what, bleep it. He's just cutting loose. Just, I'm back from Boston, and I'm miserable. Uh, and then he, the, so I'm sitting there, and this guy d- doesn't talk for the most part, because I want him to talk so I can get a, a whiff of yeah, if got, there's the accent. He's got the draw. Finally, the bartender says, would you like another beer, sir? And I and he said something. He said en- enough words. There was definitely the draw in wow. play. Whoa. So wow. I want to know, did I see Doge? You might have. Wow, dude, I, I'm, I think you might have. Do we know where he lives? See, I don't know. I feel like because this is the suburbs, right? This I'm in Golden just, Valley, but I'm yeah. so I'm not that far. So if he lives anywhere, I mean, it, it's it's close to Target Field, so it's feasible. It's just, feasible. Just hops on 55 and goes right in there through the left field. Interesting. All I know, just quickly, is I saw Doge uh, outside Red Rabbit a couple years ago on Easter Sunday, and the Twins were playing the Red Sox in a day game at like three o'clock that day, and I saw him outside the window. At Red Rabbit, and I thought, no way! It's like eleven thirty. The game he, starts at noon or he's one. He's going or? to no, no like no, three. Oh, okay, but I was I was thinking, ah, you know what? It looks like him, but it's not him. It was him. So he was pounding some Red Rabbit brunch before the game. At Absolutely. Three. He likes to get around to the restaurant. inside the park. Home run for Doge that day too. <laughs> so anyway, I think I might have seen him. I think it, I think you're right. Uh, so we, we you guys spoke about it earlier. Uh, within the last couple of weeks, we had Josh Hader, pitcher for the Brewers, and then yesterday, Sean Newcomb and Trey Turner all have basically come under fire for tweets that they had when they were 16, 17, 18 years old. Well, uh, so they had to have their, their Twitter account scrubbed to, to not find anything else. MLB, MLB's Twitter account, at MLB tweeted a picture of, uh, of Shohei Otani and Ichiro because they uh, they were playing last week and it was the Angels and the Mariners. Yeah. And so they were exchanging pleasantries uh, before the game. MLB tweeted out a picture of that. That's fantastic. But the caption of it, oh, no. if you're familiar with the Spider-Man pointing meme, that's what they captioned on oh, it. Oh, no. And I think there might be a better way than than that to show that they're both Japanese so superstars. It's like two Japanese dudes yeah. pointing at each other. Okay. <laughs> I I can't believe that went through. It, it, it pretty much instantly got deleted, but... I, I just can't believe that might be a little bit on the hypersensitive side, but I get it. Like, okay, you just have to think like, like I, I guess someone just probably thought it was funny, but at the same time, it got instant like heat right away, <laughs> well, and they just did. pulled it instantly. But oh, man, yeah, I think uh, 
I think everyone's on high alert. If you're a social media manager right now for any big brand, <laughs> yeah, I'm resigning. Your, day, your days are. I'm numbered. going to do something else right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're sticking right with social media because over the weekend, Des Bryant kind of went wild when uh, Stephen uh, Stephen Jones, obviously son of Jerry Jones, uh, CEO of the team, he uh, he went on the radio and said this. Well, I just think it's uh, you know he he's working on his game. Uh, I think uh, he's worked on his accuracy. Uh, I think he's got to trust the system, uh, which I think at times last year there was pressure with Des in his ear. Uh, to some degree, Jason in his ears, those great players want balls. And uh, I think if he can get back to uh, what we did the year before where we run the football uh, consistently uh, with Zeke and that great offensive line we have and let him really trust the system, uh, work through his reads, which I think he'll do, uh, then uh, I think uh, uh, not that he didn't play good last year, but I think he'll have the type of year he had the year before, if not better. See, and I didn't hear that before I saw Des go nuclear on Twitter. He was saying, here we go with that scapegoat bleep. I, ch- I charged everything to the game and went the other way. Y'all know what the real problem is. Don't put it on me with that bleep, garbage bleep play calling. Okay. Yeah, and and he said Des's name one time. And, and it wasn't even was, in a negative light. It was like, right, yeah, the co- he's got the coach he's right the wide receivers in his ears. Wide receivers moan and groan all the time and he, if they and, look at the ball. And he followed the, the, he followed the mention of Des up by yeah. saying, great players want the ball. Yeah. Right? He said Witten, too, though. Speaking of hypersensitive yeah. on social media. Just because Des can't get a job. Yeah, a I think you're seeing part of the reason why Des can't get a job. It's not as I mean, a lot of it's due to he's just not the same player on the field as he was five years ago, but then you get this typed off overreacting and baggage and flying off. Like I said, I saw the tweet that that he had sent out before I even heard the sound bite, and I'm like, oh, what did what did they say about him? And it was nothing at all. Like it's yeah. it's insane. That's Des though. Um the Atlanta Hawks, they know that they're not going to draw fans based on the team that they're putting on the court this year. All right. So uh, so this is the idea they have. The Atlanta Hawks are going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA again next year. But there is one thing every franchise can learn from them. Taking a page out of the Atlanta Falcons playbook, the Hawks will feature fan-friendly concession prices on many of their items this upcoming season. So, boys, you ready for this? <laughs> We got. I have. I have a list of some of the uh, the offerings they're going to have for concessions. Two dollars for bottled water, pretzels, and candy. Okay. Three dollars for fries, hot dogs, and nachos. Four dollars will get you pizza, bottomless popcorn, and bottomless soda. Wow. And for five dollars, you can get a beer. You know so, what? Good for them. I'm a Hawks fan now too. <laughs> it, Falcons and Hawks go. Is this something that's going to catch on? Because I remember the when when the Falcons were doing it, it was a new stadium thing. I get that. Now it's it's bad team doing it. Is this something you think that's gonna I, gonna catch on? I do think it catches on, and if it, 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 a lot of it's because you're bringing so much money in through TV deals now. Go back 20, 30 years ago, and concessions were a much larger percentage of your overall revenue intake, right? And now, like you've got these multi-billion-dollar TV deals, and if it's baseball, local TV revenue is a lot more than it was twenty years ago. So you can afford to maybe shave a couple bucks off of a bleeping hot dog in order to keep fans happy and to generate some good PR. But for the Hawks, it might help to just add a good player once in a while too. I love that <laughs> spot, though. My job is not d- done yet, though, until we get Dollar Beer Night back. I can die happy at that point. I, I think dollar beer that would night. almost be dangerous if they did that. Let's not talk about the dangers there, okay? We're trying for it. <laughs> Judd's not about consequences. <laughs>
Uh, we're going to make some NFL predictions. Not official write that down predictions, but we're going to we're going to look into our NFL crystal ball at the top of the hour. Matthew Collar will join with a Vikings training camp update at noon. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie. Probably wants a big amount of money and he's a pain in the ass. Judd Zolgad. Is there nothing you can't make awkward, Judd? Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Thank you for all that you have brought to the game of baseball and all that you have brought out in me. You have inspired me and helped to elevate my game. He took the analytics shot. He said, "I, I didn't hear the whole." Towards speech. the end, and it was it was subtle, <laughs> but it was there. He said he was talking about how you know scouts find players and people, or pe- people make the game, and said something, and I forget the exact words that Jack used, but something about the you can have all the in- analytics that you want to have, but mm. and I and I think it gets my write that down. Yeah, it's a bunt single. Yep. I mean, it was the most obvious shot <laughs> that was going to be taken during the Hall of Fame induction speeches. But I do think it's my bunt single on that. We'll take we'll take your word for it. Yeah, um, it, it gets to be really long, but it's I I recommend if you've I never you went. I went when I was That's really cool when I was like sixteen years old. I feel like I've told the story on the air before, but it's been years since I have. So when I was in high school, I took. Some off season. I went and played off season winter baseball in the uh, Rice and Arlington Dome. I don't even think that still exists anymore. But it was uh, just an indoor sports facility, and they had a full baseball field. Mm-hmm. And and you could they didn't have a fence, but you could hit a ball to the base of the dome, and you just run like four hundred feet. If someone hit a ball over your head in the outfield, and it was Astro turf, sure, you could. It was a triples and inside the park home run haven if you could hit a ball out there. And so we, we we played in the winter league out there, and Steve Winfield, Dave's brother, was the instructor out there, the hitting coach, and he would work with players. And so I, I just remember working with him for a couple months and some teammates and doing some hitting drills with him and befriended Steve Winfield. And like he was, he'd show you how to pick up a breaking ball out of the pitcher's hand and things like that and got to know him well enough to where when the Hall of Fame ceremony was taking place for his brother Dave and Kirby Puckett was being inducted 2001, uh, we were there the night before for the dinner when all the limos pull up and they have it gated off so that you can you can stand up next to the street and watch all the Hall of Famers get out of limos and sure. go inside the for the dinner and and so it's so there's me my friend who is also like 15 years old and then my mom and stepdad and there so there was one of those uh, like silver gates those crowd control gates or the the railings or whatever mm-hmm. and then there's a street and on the other side of the street this limo pulls up. And Dave gets out, and Steve gets out as well. And I'm like, oh, man, there's Steve. We're trying to yell, and, and it's like chaos because there's fans all over the place. And my mom goes, just run over there. You should just, like, there's security guards and cops everywhere. And she's like, just, who cares? Just go over. Like, they're not going to arrest you if you just run over there and say hi to him. And so I jump, I jumped the railing, ran across the street up to Steve. And, uh, and like, a security guard comes over, and he's like, no, you know, he tries to grab me. And Steve sees what's happening and he recognizes me from yeah. you know, working out together and he goes, no, 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 it's okay. And he let me hang there for a couple minutes and I had met Dave Winfield through twins fest, but he like introduced me to people over there. So there's, you can, if you break laws and jump fences, oh, not kids, today, you can meet, today you can, you'd be tackled. <laughs> there would have been a sniper up in the, yeah, there'd be uh there, there'd be a nightstick in your back immediately. But what I re- remember about the next day, the ceremony you got to get there fairly early if you just want a spot, just a good spot on the lawn, and you're just 
baking. And I don't know, maybe it's changed in 15 years. There were six but, guys yesterday, right? Yes. I mean, there weren't nearly that, that many, in, I don't think, in 2001. But then there's like, there's the six main guys, but then there's... Then there's other peripheral things like Sheldon Ocker. Wasn't that part of the, the they did ceremony that on too? Saturday? Okay. Now. Okay. Costas and Ocker were on Saturday. Okay. So I just remember it was awesome, but we were out there for like six hours or something, and you're just baking, and there's you know you have to walk a mile to get water. Maybe it's different now. It's a once in a lifetime awesome experience. <laughs> Probably not. The actual hall is cool. Yeah. I remember seeing uh, there was a there's a Babe Ruth display, obviously. And I remember they had one of Babe Ruth's bats on display, just laid across the bottom of this little like window. And it's illegal. His bat now it would be like a half pound too heavy. They have they have restrictions on what you can use. Like you can't just walk up with a telephone pole and swing it. Right. His bat looked like a tree. It's ridiculous. Like his the bat is I'm sure we could Google and find the actual length and ounces of the bat, but it's like someone cut down a, f- a telephone pole and cut the cords That's off of it. how strong he was, And he too, walks then. up to the plate with like a damn, you know, tree trunk. Right. But it's a, if you're a baseball fan, it's totally worth it. And I'm trying to think of the next twin. I mean, Maurer would be the next twin, I guess, to have a chance, right? And that's very much on the fence. Yeah, probably. I mean, beyond that. It's pretty much it. Santana, Justin Morneau had a shot. Santana's, Santana's not going to, yeah. So it's Joe Maurer or one of the current twins. Maurer still has a decent chance. The more thought, Especially if he goes to the Yankees in a month. And, the, the more thought I give this, the more I think that, that the, the perception of him inside the state is one thing, but the perception outside, I think, is going to be different. And when, when you look at a guy that won three batting titles while catching, it's going to pull. I, I think that's going to be a big deal. Someone sent us the transcript of Jack Morris here on Twitter. Pioneer Press printed the whole, the whole thing, thing out. Yeah, the whole thing. Printed the whole too. thing, yeah. Let me find that line. I, I want to make sure that you're not just awarding yourself or write that no, down. No, I'll find it for you. Oh, here we go. I got it. Yep. <clears throat> Let me find the. Uh... I believe in the human heart and the human spirit, and no analytics can define them. Yeah! There's no telling what you can accomplish if you have the will and desire to try. God blessed me with a gift, and it was meant to be shared with others. My life in baseball has been an incredible journey. So there it is. It's yeah. the analytics. Yeah! It's the. He didn't need to say that, but he did, and it got my bunt yeah. single. It's so weird how old school baseball players and commentators. It happened. It happened yesterday with Tori and Dick Bramer, play, where play they showed like a percentage. So Jackie Bradley Jr. was in center field, and they showed it was a forty-two yeah. percent. It was this amazing catch, and they didn't even think. They just said, "Oh, this is just a hocus pocus statistic that doesn't matter." It's like, well, maybe did he get a bad jump? Is it possible that there's another reason why? Well, it no. Was, Dick was Dick's point was was that that, that should have been like a ten percent catch. I know that's what I'm saying. So he was all upset maybe, about that. But, then Tory Tory just piled on. But maybe it was forty two percent, and he hesitated for three seconds. Wait, I'd have to go see the I replay. Have no time for this. But like the point I is, have no time for these statistics. Human heart and spirit yep. and analytics can work together, which is what most organizations are doing. And yet your baseball commentators like apparently refuse to acknowledge that. Some of them do. Corey Provis doesn't. No, he doesn't. Corey does a good job with them. We miss Corey Provis. Uh, All right, we're going to give some NFL predictions when we come back here. We're going to look into our 2018 NFL crystal ball and tell you what's going to happen. Matthew Collar is going to join at noon to talk Vikings training camp and his Mike Zimmer column that's just crushing and wonderful on 1500ESPN.com. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN.